<laughs> Let me ask you this. You, t- you came up with a lot of, uh, you came up reading a lot of speculative fiction. Yes. And, um, and, and I was a m- massive Doctor Who fan. <laughs> which is fantastic. Yeah, um, like I said, I want to ask you all the things. But, right. um, but you, you won the, you, you and Damien Duffy won mm-hmm. the Eisner for yes. your adaptation of Kindred which is yes. thoroughly good. And, you're, and, and, and the parable of the sower, which is very timely, might I add, mm-hmm. um, uh, has just come out too to, yes. to, great, to, <laughs> to great acclaim and rightfully so. Um, yeah, I, I was really pleased with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, was ev- so were we all. Um, we were <laughs> but um, it... When you're taking on something like, you know, you talk about legacy characters and that, talk about legacy authors. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think it was important? Like, why'd you pitch that as a graphic novel? Like, okay, this has got to be a graphic novel. Thor, you mean in particular? Yeah. Uh, um, well, Kindred first. Because Kindred, we didn't pitch. Uh, this is this is so funny because people think we have the agency like that, right? So yeah, no. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. Well, now I really want to know. Okay. Well, because no, it's crazy. Because um, just to make a short story longer, um, <laughs> you know, when we were at when I was at University of uh, Illinois, uh, Damien found his call for entries by Beacon Press. Uh-huh. Uh, this is back in like two thousand and eight, two thousand nine. Okay. And they were trying to do a graphic novel back then, actually. Okay. Because Beacon Press has the rights to Kindred, and they want to do a black and white book, and you know, and we got the we got the call late, so we were actually only two weeks out from the deadline, and we still murdered ourselves to put it in. So I was traveling; it was during spring break. I remember it, and so what was happening is I would I was drawing stuff analog, and I would I had three talks over over the break in three different parts of the country. So what I was doing. Whenever I would hit a uh, stop, I would send Damien artwork that he would scan in at Kinko's and like put together. And it was terrible. It was like, you know, and he, threw, he wrote like, yeah, so we got it in just under the wire. Uh-huh. And we totally failed, actually, uh-huh. totally did not uh-huh. get it. A black woman actually landed the book. She landed uh-huh. the Kendrick graphic uh-huh. novel. Yeah. And so, so we're like, okay, well, at least we get, to, we get to read that later, right? Right. And then what happens like three years later, um, we were actually on a, we actually had Comic-Con and we were, we were wow. selected to be on a panel with Robin Givens of all people, <laughs> uh, black film, it was like a black film studies that, yeah, it was weird. Like she was the, yeah, <laughs> she was really, awesome. nice. She was really nice actually. Um, yeah, and we were talking about the first black comics book actually. Right. So I was on the floor, um, wow. before Damien got there and I was actually like, showing uh, about, I think it was three projects we were trying. One was Blue Hand Mojo. One was uh, this, this story called uh, Graffiti Monster Killer that we still want to do. <laughs> and, uh, I, I also want you to do that, but go on. I don't care what it is. <laughs> sound, you had me at Graffiti Monster <laughs> Killer, but go on. <laughs> yeah. And then also, um, there was a couple other things we were pitching. So, I was, so at the time, Sheila Keenan was still at Abrams and uh, I showed her the work. She loved my work, which I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, thank you so much. Really, really nice. And she said, your work would be perfect for this book I'm trying to do. And I was like, oh, really? Uh, what book? And she said, you are, are you familiar with Octavia Butler? And I was like, why, yes, I am. Which story are you trying to do? And she said, Kindred. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Kindred, Kindred? <laughs> <laughs> right. And then, then I remembered that that book that 
the book that Beacon Press wanted to do never came out. Oh yeah? Right. Yeah, so like, oh shoot, so what happened in that book? Anyway, so Damien's in the air. When he gets there, I was like, yo, I met this agent, I mean, I met this this uh, editor who thinks that, you know, maybe we got a shot at doing Kindred. And he was like, Kindred, Kindred? <laughs> and so um, I'm like, yeah. So five months later, we're signing a contract to, uh, they worked out the deal. And so, <clears throat> Yeah, so that's how we ended up doing a book. So it wasn't exactly us wanting to do Kindred. It was like Kindred circling right back around to us. Mm-hmm. I think it chose us for some reason, you know. It was crazy, too. Like, I drew that book in, like, four months. It's ridiculous, you know. So <laughs> I, was, remember, I remember seeing on Instagram just this big stack of boards. Like, it was just huge. Drawings. What's that? 750 drawings in, yep. in Sharpie. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, so we chose Parabola Sora because what you're saying is, even though it's a painful narrative, it's it's so timely. It's yeah. almost like I don't know what kind of like bones she was throwing, or like what tea she was reading, or what what type of scrying method she was using. <laughs> but uh, apparently, all of it. All cause... of it. Exactly. I'm like, yo, it's painful. What's crazy is I live in Southern California right now, <laughs> and well. Parable- because you know, we're doing both books. So Parable of Talents, right. there's a character from Riverside, a little boy that's in Parable of Talents. <laughs> so I'm like, yo, it's, it's hectic. So we wanted, right. we were like, well, as, soon as, um, as soon as Trump got elected, we were like, you know, this is going to get bad. And so, yeah. uh, so we decided that Par- the Parables books would be the best ones to do because of just the social. Yeah wasn't our first choice, you know, but it's just something that we took upon ourselves mm-hmm. to do. And it's hard. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, and I've talked with Damien a little bit about that too. I don't want to, uh, <laughs> and he said that, yeah, he just, in adapting it, it's a, it is a tough, it's a tough thing it's, to do, but a it's a, a necessary. He's um, amazing. I mean, I keep telling him like, yo, he adapted the hell out of Parable. So I mean, yep. I love Kendrick, um, but I think, I think, yeah, we showed out a little bit more with Parable, you know, on different levels. So, yeah, um, I'm proud of the book. It, and, and rightfully, yeah, and rightfully so. Um, what does, and, and this is sort of a, this is sort of a more, I guess, basic question, but when you look at what the book is doing, uh, we'll talk about like Parable of the Sower, right? Um, yeah. When you're reading, obviously different media do different things. Um, what affordances does, in your opinion, this medium, this graphic medium, um, what does it uh, afford us the opportunities to do? What does it invite us to do that perhaps um, the, a novel might, a, a, a prose novel might, might not? Well, in different things. Like for instance, right. there are like affordances that comics have that, you know, prose doesn't, right? So, right. Um, and it's not necessarily good or bad or, or no. worse. It's just different. So, right. <clears throat> so for instance, if you look at like Kindred and, and Parable, we have things, we have mapping systems, for instance, you know, that are, that, so comics can integrate different types of graphics into their right. narrative seamlessly, you know. Um, for instance, if you look at like, the first thing we do with uh, Parable is we have a star map, you know. Right. And so every every section starts out with some type of mapping system, you know, and right. it adds another element to the narrative, which is already kind of an epist- uh, uh, um, 
what do you call it, an epistolary to a certain degree mm -hmm. anyway, because it's like, it's really like pieces of her fictitious journal right. and, the, and the book of the living, like fused together, you know? So you have these like talking books inside of talking books anyway. And I think comics actually like, they illustrate those things really seamlessly, you know? And, and um, yeah, that's one thing. The other thing too is that because it is so timely, you know, comics give out information really, really straightforward in a straightforward fashion. That's why, like, for instance, when you look at, like, the safety manuals in, in, in airplanes, they look like comics because they're very clear. So right. there's kind of, like, clearness of message that comics do, particularly with something like, you know, uh, Parable of the Sword. It's almost like you go to, like, a, a facility and it says, break in case of emergency, and then you right. break it. And then there's a copy of Parable of <laughs> you know, see? And right. this is like a guidebook for survival. Like, what's happening next? What's gonna happen next week? Oh no! Exactly. Oh, yeah. See what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. I get you. There's something about the, and then there's also like the descriptions of stuff that are really very tragic and messed up that you, you know, I have to draw. You know, I have to draw yeah. like, you know, bodies burning and mm. eating, babies eating like other babies and all it's just wild. yeah no it's, it's wide open man so yeah so right. i think the graphicness of it actually drives home it's different you know it's very visceral right. yeah so yeah. yeah anyway and that's i mean the the visceral and this leads me into this leads me into this next part right that visceral nature right mm -hmm. um that draws you in and 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 asks you to attend to certain you know, art asks you to attend to certain things, right? right? Yeah. Um, and I wonder, uh, and that's true in Parable of the Sower, but mm -hmm. we have talked at length also about horror. Yes. Um, and Box of Bones. Let's talk about Box of Bones for a second. Um, yeah. and, and Candyman, um, yes. which I know is a favorite. Um, yeah. And right for the... Um, the Tony Todd one, but there's the new one that's maybe going to come it's out, awesome. depending if we ever get to see movies again. Too. Yeah. yeah. Is it really? Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Okay. Well, good. I was today years old. Yeah. Because yeah, it's not a, yeah, there's only one. I mean, he's going to be in a film, you know, so that's he's so good. Yeah. That's so good. Um, is that visceral sort of um, connection part of a, Man, I, I keep using all these puns that I don't need to. The the draw for you mm -hmm. when it comes to when it comes to uh, telling these stories in that in in that way, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you got the hole, and you've got. Well, I, I'll let you just talk about it because. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, so when when I first came across the term Afrofuturism, you know, which is about man over a, a decade ago, because mm -hmm. honestly, this this resurgence in black experimental culture started yeah. then yeah. and yeah. popular cultures finally caught up with us you know that's the other right. thing too so these conversations were already happening Janelle Monet is already popping you know right. uh, Obama was president you know <laughs> so it's like that's sci-fi right there you know so because you only before then you would only see science you know black presidents in sci-fi films essentially right. um so it was a, it was a really interesting time and then you know I saw the limitations of Afrofuturism in some ways because my whole thing is like well <clears throat> do you throw out genre like like when you're talking about like black when you talk about speculation right. there are genre conventions you know to horror there are right. genre conventions to superheroes you know that kind of mm -hmm. stuff 
do you just do away with those just because it's black or do you not? Right. Um, and that's something right. I haven't considered it, but it's just like, it's something to think about a lot. So Kindred, you know, is more of a Gothic narrative, right? It has more, yes. it has tropes that are really di- directly connected to Gothic narratives, you know, as a, as a type of literary yeah. uh, style, you know? And, and, and it also, it just happens to be through this Afro-diasporic lens, right? And so, um, so I came with this, me and Stanford, Stanford Carpenter came with this term, the ethnogothic, that basically deals with racially charged Gothic narratives that are constructed to really, in some ways, move past those haunted spaces. Like, so, so, so to kind of like, through catharsis, you know, right. uh, deal with those narratives. So horror is really, really good at talking about like social issues because it gives us, it lets us enjoy, the, it, it lets us deal with like the problems, you know, but it also gives us a certain amount of distance that we can actually like look at it too. You know what I'm saying? So, it, so that's what, so that's why speculation is really good because it right. deal with the issues around say hyperpopulation or like consumerism, but you use the metaphor and the allegory of the monstrous to get at it. You see what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. And so, so much, so much around, and, and actually fairly recently, and I just got, I was talking to David about this earlier, David Walker about this mm-hmm. earlier. So, you know, I'm a, I have a love hate relationship with HP Lovecraft, right? You know, because basically, like, go on. <laughs> yeah. Well, because basically, yeah. you know, he kind of gave us these extremely interesting tools to talk about the monstrous and symbolism, right? But was almost prototypical xenophobe, <laughs> you know, on every level, right? Yep. Racism, classism, from misogyny, yeah, whatever, right? So I came across this book recently, and, and maybe you know it. It's called Racecraft. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so I, just recently. And um, I like the idea. They talk about, like, racism being so, like, pervasive that it's almost mystical in nature, mm-hmm. right? And so Racecraft is, like, they, make, they use the word racecraft to talk about witchcraft. So it's almost like a, a mm-hmm. function. almost like a spell, right? Right. So I was thinking, like, whoa, you know, so we have an ethnogothic thing as an underpinning as a theoretical structure and then a race craftian, not a right. race craftian space, right? right. Where, you're, where you're fusing the idea of race craft, right? With a Lovecraftian uh, ethos, like a, a Lovecraftian like aesthetic. Right. right. Yeah, and then you're upending the racist xenophobic stuff that's in his work. So that's kind of right. like, that's kind of like where my, where, my, where my stuff lands, I think. Which, which is interesting because you can't just, you know, and I've heard this just in terms of Afrofuturism, right? It's not just science fiction plus Africa equals Afrofuturism. Like, that's not it, right? You have to, as you said, you have to take a thoughtful approach. If you're going to look at inverting or mm-hmm. subverting these, yep. these ideas, you have to have an understand, a theoretical uh, approach. You have to yep. know what it is that you're doing and speak to certain things in certain ways, as you were, yep. as you were describing, right? So it's not just, ooh, look, in this spooky it's like, yeah, yeah, it's spooky, but it's also doing um, some some really deep, um, and I'll go so far as to say uh, anti anti racist, um, yep. decolonial work. Uh, yes. Like, psh- yeah, right? the decolonial aspects are just ridiculous. I'm like, man, you know, yeah, it's it's so potent. Like, his, I mean, because America is really good at not thinking about its past you know what I'm saying? and so what i was thinking about was like you know whenever you think about like 
the South, the American South. Yes, sir. You don't really, you don't really like marry, you don't really marry it to the future. You don't really think about it being futuristic at all, you know, which right. is, a, gives me my other thing, the cyber trap stuff that I did too. Like that's what I was doing at Harvard. I was creating like a, a transmedia storytelling space that essentially is like black Southern cyber trap, cyber, cyberpunk. Sorry. So, you know, because we need, break, <laughs> we need to break out of the mold of doing this kind of stuff. It's like, you know, this right. sort of, you know, it's a reason why they say the, the specter of slavery, you know, right. you the specter right. of, you know, uh, the South is a haunted space. And I think that's the closet. That's, that's what, that's what America puts the skeletons actually, but it's actually kind of where America started. You know what I'm saying? So it started in those, those spaces. Right. So, right. um, yeah, we're being, and so, if you don't deal with them, they come back. You know, like the Stephen King story, right? Sometimes they come back. Yes. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yep. Here we are. And you got chickens roosting and you got like... <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, you know? And so, so why'd you call it Box of Bones though? The, that, that, bones. Right. Okay. So, so Box of Bones in some ways, if I wanted to pitch it, it's like African diaspora Hellraiser. Yes. For those of you who are like, who are like fans of Clive Barker, right? Mm-hmm. Because because Cloud Barker did so. Basically, what I wanted to do with me and I used it, I wanted to do was mm-hmm. create a narrative that was the equivalent of what Barker did with this kind of like queer erotica, horror erotica, mm-hmm. which makes people very uncomfortable. You know, yeah, <laughs> yes. You had never seen anything like it because oh. it was marrying these different things together. He was taking like a Lovecraftian, right thing and then marrying it with like these cultural signifiers that you understood on a, on a base level but then flip them and like yep. yo there's never been anything like this i was like yo yep. this is extremely scary but also amazing right <laughs> you know? so yeah so when we the, the name of the book was the first shadow box you know uh-huh. and we'll start talking to uh Yeezy about it a little bit more we're both fans of henry dumas's work so there's this classic uh, short story called arc of bones mm-hmm. which uh, kind of like Af- Afro surrealist right. work by him, you know, black arts movement writer who was using the esoteric and the speculative to talk about social issues so well. Right. Right. One of my favorite, favorite writers ever. And yes. uh, anyway, so we decided to say, call it box of bones, which is kind of like a nod to arc of bones, you know, but inside the box is what we call the Brer beasties. I call them the whatnots. You know what I'm saying? Essentially, they're like constructions of, they're like the most horrific constructions of like racism, but reified in these like almost like demonic like minstrels. <laughs> you know? Right. They're terrifying. <laughs> no. And I've told you, I've told you before, it's just like, hey man, thanks for the nightmare. Like you're like, give me a little yeah. preview. I'm like, cool, now I'm not gonna sleep for a week. Because exactly. I know, because I can see in some ways what not only is it spooky, but the way it's rendering, not only, okay, what, uh, this is going to get real, real pretentious here. So you can go ahead and pause if you, if you need to listeners, like it's rendering, not only is it rendering the invisible visible, but it is mm-hmm. also holding up a light to it too. It is rendering the visible and what the visible is, is monstrous. Right. Am, am I, am I misreading? Do you think? No, no, you're uh, absolutely right. Because one of the cons- one of the most insidious things about racism is that it pretends like it's not there, right? Boom. So making it making it visible is very important, but right. then pushing it to the to the edge of like the most horrific thing, you right. know, 
it's difficult to do with comics too. That's the yeah. other thing. So I've, been, I've been studying like horror comics and one of the things. So one of the, one of the ways to make a horror comic very terrifying is to create a scary ass monster. You know, what <laughs> yes, is more sir. terrifying than a sentient lynching tree? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> very few things. Very few things, <laughs> particularly for a black person. You know, so uh, no, we, no, yeah, no. <laughs> you know, it's like so we would. So this ain't blackula. Don't get me wrong. No disrespect. No, no disrespect. But it's doing different. No disrespect to like you know, you know, it, it's not just like oh, let's make a black vampire. Like no, no, no. Right. These these are like monsters that come from the from the the psyches of the darkest moments in American history brought to life. You know, so we take the stereotypes and we we make them more hyperbolic and then right. twist them around and just make these terrifying things like like the, the wretched you know the mm -hmm. wretched is the tree so it's taken from the name comes from Fran Fanon's the wretched of the earth right it's a it's a it's a tree that the roots of it are like this monkey like this scary monkey <laughs> face it's buried and it has these ropes hanging from it and they lasso people and as they're dragging you and lynching you into the tree, you become pickaninnies, you become like stereotypes. And so, and it doesn't care who it does it to. And it's like, because we're all culpable in these constructions. And so, um, yeah, and then you have to serve it forever and you become like this little, and you just speak in like broken English and you look like a little stereotype forever. And it's like, <laughs> but the, it's like no, this I'm laughing because that is so upset. Like it's that's, so upset. Aw that's awful. I mean, it's, it's, it's wonderful, but when I say awful, I mean, it is deeply unsettling. It's deeply unsettling. Which yes. is how we should feel about these right. issues, in right. my mind, right? right. Is, you're like, oh, well, that's kind of spooky. No, 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 no. Scooby-Doo no, no, is spooky no. when it's, it's like, oh, it was the, it was the, <laughs> it was the circus owner the whole right. time. Like, no, time. This, no, this is <laughs> no, this is the type of, uh, um, yeah, this is the kind of messed upness that, uh, you know, on, on a visceral level that we have to talk about when we talk right. about racism. Right. I mean, and people don't want to talk about, you know. Yep. They don't. And, and, and two things. Well, you said it, it provides that sort of affective distance, right, to talk yeah. about. Um, yeah. The other thing that you had mentioned, uh, you had mentioned uh, connecting this to black, like black history, right? Um, and I'm trying to remember how you, you phrased it really well once, um, and I'm trying to remember what it was, but this notion of this is deeply connected to issues of of black history um yes and i think yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know they have to be i don't know because it's this existential dread in yeah. the living oppressive system that gets yeah. naturalized you yeah. know and um difficult to talk about because it's like well how does a fish talk about water you know it it's, not, it. it's yeah, not it doesn't even know what water is right because you know? it's right. just everywhere. Yeah, so it's like they only they don't have a, they don't have a, like a word for fish for, for water and fish language, you know. What I'm saying? Right, right. <laughs> and, and when it's become so, when when it is so normalized, it takes. I think uh, you have to take it to the. You have to push the boundaries in order for it to resonate, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I, that's what I really appreciate about about that stuff. Um, one other, one last, one last thing. Um, if there is somebody who um, is looking for some really good reading in terms of the 
the theoretical foundations, right? So we talked a lot about the scholarship, like you can't just like pop off and you can have a, a wild idea, but the, the wild ideas is rooted somewhere. You yeah. talked about Fano and you talked about, um, wh- who are some of like, uh, who are some of the folks, the touchstones that you have Scott, um, in the, in the scholarly circle, in the artistic circle that people might want to check out? And what, and what arena? Like, cause in what, like, in <laughs> hey, just when you, when you go back and you look at, um, when you're thinking about, uh, when you're thinking about where your work is, is rooted and where your art is rooted, is it, I mean, Hey, if it's outcast, then great. Um, but <laughs> no, no, I, mean, I have like a lot of, you know, sure. Us, well, let's say, let's say some, some folks, uh, let, let's say some folks from the, um, from, from the, uh, those more, maybe more sociological circles or sociocultural works. Yeah. They might, yeah, they might yeah, want yeah. to check out. Because, you know, I'm trying to find because I had this presentation that I used to do on like my hip hop stuff. A lot of it comes from hip hop studies, honestly, you know, because yeah. 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 Because, you know, my background hip hop as a hip hop scholar, I was thinking about like how about remix and language and right. you know, the visual aspects and stuff. In fact, um, let me see. Can I find Look at this talk I did a while ago because some of these early things were really important to me as far as like, because I was looking at Mikhail Bakhtin, mm-hmm. Olu Aguibe. Yes. Um, who else is I looking at? Uh, a lot of stuff, man. In fact, yeah, I used to have this whole slide about just the things that I was looking at. Hip, right. The History by John Leland. Yes. Was a big Great book. book. Yeah, why white kids love hip hop by Bakari Ketuana. I was thinking about Bakari. Yes. Uh, Black Like You by uh-huh. John Spaulding. Um, Everything but the burden. That's Ed, you know. Yep. That kind of stuff. Just looking at like you know, the sociology of how like race is performed. Anything around that. I think you know, of course, Bell Hooks and you know, uh, Derek Derek Bell's work okay. and those types of works. But then when you talk about the Gothic stuff, they start looking at like um, uh, Michaela. Um, oh my God. So Maisha, Maisha Wester's work, you know, we came up together. Um, Ken, this book called Kendrick Specters was a really big uh, influence on me. And uh, it's, a, it's this book called Ghostly Matters that was a, a really big uh, book for me. Um, yeah, and, and just uh, books around the Gothic and, and, and race, you know, in That's general. That's great. Um, then, then also a lot of books on like uh, spirit photography. There's several ones, like this one called The Perfect Medium. It's, like this uh yeah because i'm interested in like well how do you depict the spiritual it's one of the first right. things that that happens when a new medium is exposed like when a new medium comes around we try to we try to historically we try to record the other yeah. world it's the yeah. first thing we try to do yeah you know uh we want to hear it you want to mm-hmm. see it you want to like try to touch it you know saying so you use all you know so like okay well how do these types of things get uh depicted because again if like racism or racism is, is ethereal spectral thing, then how do you, how does it manifest itself? And then I think what happens too is like the other turn is design research because I circle back around to um, design uh, theory from a, uh, from a, from a narratology kind of mm-hmm. standpoint. So that's when I start looking at like speculative design, right? Yes. So it's only a few books on speculative design and that's like, um, Speculative Everything by mm-hmm. uh, Don and Raby. And yes. Also yes. Another book that they did before that. But it's just like phenomenology and design. And so I'm looking yep. at like a lot of different 
standpoint is because I'm thinking like a hip hop. The reason I say it's hip hop is because I'm thinking about like these texts as like they're like pieces of wax or like the right. acid. Right. When you're writing a research paper, you're really just making a remix. You yeah. Know? It's 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 that bricolage, right? It's that it's a bricolage, exactly. Taking all of those ingredients and making something yeah. wholly new. One of my strengths as a scholar is the fact that I don't discern. There's no such thing to me as a, a hierarchy. You know, what I'm saying they're all just a quick. You know, yep. It, it's the for instance, You know, to me, like reading Fanon and reading Frank Miller is the same. You know, saying it's, yep. they're just different types of assets. It's just different type of yep. knowledge, and that means that they are equal to each other. That's right. And so it's just an idea of equivalence that I think makes mm-hmm. people that study uh, popular culture powerful because we're not really thinking about like, well, what does the academy think about it? Or what is the, you know what I'm saying? They, this kind of thing. It's like, no, knowledge isn't constructed that way. You know, we don't, yes, yeah, I always tell my students, we right. teach, in, I teach in a design D program, not a design program. That's right. Program because right. We, taught, we think about tracks, we think about departments, yep. we think about visions. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah, I mean, the, the the university is built on separation, you yeah. know. So we have so many people that are working on the same thing, just in different colleges, That's you right. know. That's and the right. silos, the silos, they got to siloed up like like we the warriors or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Come like, out and play. Except no one's asking me to come out and play. No, <laughs> right. I won't come, come out and play. Right, 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 right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. So, Man, that's I, kind of, so those are some of the things that I've been looking at. So that's, I, I think that's one of the great things, man. Thank you so much um, for, for hitting that home. Um, doing the, doing that, um, that, that scholarship work, doing the reading, but understanding that knowledge construction, you, you've got to know, you got to know what's in the stacks. You got to know yes, what, you, right. And I'm and just that, not pulling stuff out my butt. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. Exactly. And I think um, it's good to just hear because a lot of folks, you know, they see the end product, right? right? And they don't see the, the, all the, all the work that goes on before the, pro- the, the final work comes out. Or they know in, in abstract that, oh yeah, well, of course it's going to take a lot of work. Well, yeah, even before you put pen to paper, you're, you, you know, you're reading. You gotta be in a, you gotta read, man. It's yep. kind of like, yep. you know, like Kanye West being in the kitchen, you know, but locked up for three, four summers, you know yep. what I'm saying? You know, you have to go That's and, right. you, well, you know what they say, going to the woodshed. You gotta That's go right. to the woodshed. That's right. It's a lot of reading. It's a lot of like mistakes, you know? Yep. Yep. And the other thing is I've been, I've been really fortunate to be able to use the classroom as kind of a Petri dish or like a, <laughs> a lab. Yeah. <laughs> Likewise, I'm doing a podcast from my basement out here in, in Minnesota because <laughs> I can't go to my classes right yeah. now. <laughs> Which is like, like, how the hell? Anyway, I don't even. <laughs> oh, like, man. I just started a YouTube channel. You know, yeah, yeah, so I yeah. Teach. I just got directions from the chancellor's office. This is how you set up a YouTube channel. <laughs> okay. Because we're going to um, be teaching this stuff. I mean, yeah, man. I mean, and my class is on politics and black superheroes. So, oh man, yeah. this, there's so much more to so much more to talk about. I really appreciate. I know I know you got a lot of stuff going on. Um, so I really appreciate you taking time out to just chat it up with us a, a little bit, man. Um, check out John Jennings um, wherever anything is apparently on <laughs> <laughs> on the Google Scholar on uh, you know fire up the Google machine and just check it out. So John, man, I've really appreciate you so much again. Thank you. All right, buddy. I appreciate you. All right.